0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Narrow it down to one word, it would be love. And so that's what we're calling this. We're calling this love. We're, talk- we're talking about the love of God. Uh, the love of God for us, the love of us for God, the love of us for others. Um, so it's really, I mean, it's really about love. And First John was written by a man named John, and he was a disciple of Jesus. And it was one of the last books written uh, of the entire Bible. Uh, the book of Revelation is actually, uh, chronologically, the last book written. First John was just before John wrote the book of Revelation. And this is, uh, this is really, it's an appeal from an elder, it's what it says, from an old man. A very old man, the last living disciple of Christ, who had actually walked with Christ. And over and over again, he, what he's doing is he's narrowing, really, the entire Christian walk down to the basics. So that's what I love about 1 John. This is it. This is the simple gospel. that like God so loved the world that he gave. And that God is, and who God is. And so anyway, it's a, a wonderful book, but let's jump into verse 1, uh, and uh, we're, we're going to stay there today. That which was from the beginning. John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Yeah, I love that right there. Now, this is, this is, this is the way John works, by the way. If you read the Gospel of John, he starts the Gospel of John out very similar. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He's going back to the beginning. And so here in 1 John, he says, that which was from the beginning. Now, who's that? His name is Jesus. That which was from the beginning, uh, which we have heard, is talking about Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes, he's talking about Jesus. Remember, the last living disciple, which we have looked at, and our hands have actually physically touched. And that's going to be important here in a minute. I'll get into that in just a second. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Who is the word of life? That's Jesus. And so what I love about John, he's, he's going back to the beginning. And uh, I, 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 I want to spend a little bit of time right here. He says, that which was from the beginning, that's Jesus, which we have heard, uh, which we have seen with our eyes. Now here he's talking about physically seeing or physically staring at. Uh, looking at the word see it's weird. It's, it's not the usual word in the in the original language that I would think it, it doesn't mean just merely to look at or to observe it actually means to intently stare at to adore to focus on to uh, Look with admiration at When when John says that he saw Jesus He doesn't just mean he he just saw him walking down the road It means that he he saw him and he took a second look and a third look and a fourth look it's like you know it's like when you see a dodge viper on the road come on somebody it's it's a different kind of look you're you're examining the details you're examining the, the the beauty of jesus and that by the way that's what we've been doing so far this morning on sunday morning october 25th we've been looking at the beauty of jesus that's what worship is worship is looking at jesus and proclaiming him proclaiming his greatness Proclaiming his perfectness proclaiming that's what that's what communion's all about We're looking at Jesus and his beauty is all around us and we say God you are amazing God you are awesome Specifically in the person of Jesus And so if, if you I, I don't know if you go through a whole worship set and you don't ever focus on Jesus you missed You miss worship If all you did is talk about how God's got a plan for your life and he's going to make things better you missed worship because real worship is, is a fixation on the person of Jesus Christ. If we're not singing about Jesus, we're missing it. Uh, we can be singing about breakthrough and, you know, I don't know, the God of miracles, and that's all lovely. Uh, I'm not against that. We sing songs like that. But, man, songs about the person of Jesus, who he is, and not even what he's done. Just who he is. That's what worship is, to stare in admiration at him. This is what John said he did. He said, we, we looked at him for three years. I was walking with him, staring at him, admiring him, noticing how, how perfect, how glorious he was. And, and look at the, John's gospel. All of the times that Jesus deals with stuff, we would have dealt with it completely different. And yet Jesus is perfect, and he shows us this, this amazing way to live. And this is what John says, we were looking at him, we were studying at him. By the way, this is what we all need to be doing in 2020. We need to be looking at Jesus. We must be looking at him. There is nothing else worthy of our focus or our attention. Fox News is not worthy of your focus and your attention. CNN's not worthy. Those, whatever, debates, is that what we're calling them now? Those are not worthy of your focus and your attention. The donkey and the elephant Are not worthy of your focus and your attention but Jesus alone is worthy and when we when we look at him and I mean intently look at him I mean zero in on him I mean focus on him and not give him an hour on Sunday but throughout the week what are what are you looking at throughout the week and because what you are looking at you you will derive your power from where you are looking and so many Christians are walking around so weak because honestly, they're looking at Rush Limbaugh more than they are Jesus. And Rush has no power for you, and uh, I don't know, whoever else is out there. YouTube has, like, they have no power for you. Remember, Peter is in the boat with a bunch of disciples and they're sinking and they see Jesus walking on the water And Peter says, hey, if that's you, call me to walk out with you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter climbs out of the boat. He's walking toward Jesus. And as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he doesn't sink. As long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he has the same power that Jesus has. Jesus is giving him, he's extending to him the same power he has to walk on the water. And so many of us, man, we're walking through life circumstances. and We don't understand how Jesus has power to walk in certain circumstances and how you don't. Well, it's all about your focus. So I want to challenge you. Get your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes away from lesser things. Turn your eyes away from lesser voices and focus on Jesus because he's able to walk on the very thing that's threatening to cover you. He's on top of it. He's not under the circumstances. He is victorious. He is triumphant. He is glorious. He's beautiful. There's nobody like him. There's nobody as much. I mean, he's walking through a a storm on the waves, laughing at the oceans like like they're old friends, right? And and, and Peter says, I want to do that. I want to do what you're doing. Well, guess what? You can do what Jesus did if you keep your eyes on him. If you keep your eyes on him. So many Christians are so influenced. And we were talking about that even before our living room thing. We're influenced by politicians. We're influenced by media. I'll we'll say, well, why is that? Well, because that's where our eyes are. That's what we're looking at. So we're reading all the time. And John says, man, we focused on him, we studied him. We weren't reading Palestine Daily. We were we were focused on Jesus. And we were so obsessed with this amazing man that was walking in front of us, God and man at the same time. We were so obsessed with him that we became like him. You will become like what you're looking at. And that's what it says. I have another scripture here, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verses verse 11. It says, "Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always." This is the key. The John says we were we were seeking his face. We were looking at him so intently, and 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 it was from him that we that we became like who we are. Jesus took twelve nobodies, fishermen and tax collectors and. Random people, and he turned in three years. Put did more in them than what most people get in Bible college for going for four years. Like he he downloaded in them an absolute shift, an absolute change. I mean, John was one of the ones I mentioned last week. John was one of the ones who was ready to call down fire on the city that that didn't that 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 didn't receive their message. You know, John was ready. He's like Jesus. Let's just smoke them. Let's nuke. Let's can we nuke that city? (laughs) And that's, that's the guy who's writing this book that I just said is primarily about love. Well, how did the, the son of thunder become a disciple of love? It was by looking at Jesus. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't have Kairos to go to. He didn't have City Chapel to go to. He didn't have somebody breaking down the word. He saw the word. He saw the word and he focused in on the word. And by looking at Jesus, he became, it changed him from the inside out. It reform Like, this is the thing. When you stop looking at Jesus, man, you start losing all of the things that come with the presence of Jesus. You start losing your peace. You start losing your joy. You start losing your hope. You start losing your centeredness. You start losing your vision for the future when you stop looking at Jesus. But when you start looking at Jesus, it's the old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful th- face. And the Things of earth will go will grow strangely dim. Or yeah. Leonard Ravenhill said strangely yeah. grim. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way Leonard Ravenhill said. But either way, they'll grow strange. It'll it'll be strangely unimportant who gets elected on November third. It'll be strangely unimportant what's going on with your job. It'll be strangely it will strangely not affect you the way that it used to affect you, because now you're focused on this glorious victorious wonderful savior and you see him and and when you see him you become like him and John went through a transformation because he was he was zeroed in he said this guy we have been studying him now remember this is the last living disciple and he's he's talking to the church that is year decades removed from uh, from the presence of Christ on the earth decades removed I mean half a century, more than half a century removed from Jesus being on the planet. So there was nobody else on earth that had actually walked with Jesus at this point, except John. So John says, look, I know what I'm talking about. I studied him. I watched him. I looked at him and I gazed at him intently. And this is how he's laying for us a foundation for how we can also have intimacy with Jesus. Yes, there it is. It's by looking at Him. That's the It's by looking at Him. It's by zeroing in on Him. Yeah, that's right. Fellowship. That's that's all. Go get some amens in the living room. That's good. Yeah, well, that's what it is. And, and that, by the way, when you keep reading, which we're going to, He says, "Man, I'm writing this so that we can have fellowship. So we can have intimacy. So we can, I can know you. You can know me. We can know the Father. We have intimacy with each other. Intimacy with God." Like that's what it's all about, and so. But he says, "Man, first you got it. You got to zero in on him." And what's interesting here is it says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, right? Then he says, "Which we have looked at." And I I read that and I was like, "Well, isn't that kind of the same thing, John? Like, we saw him with our eyes and we looked at him. Well, that's kind of redundant." But it's really not, those are two different Greek words in the original language. The first one means to stare at with your eyes and behold and, and be amazed at something. Um, the second one though, literally, I guess probably a better way to say it in English would be we looked into. It means to study. It means an intellectual study. So when John, and we see this in First John right away, he's describing Jesus as the one from the beginning and he, he calls him the word of life. That requires some Old Testament study. You're not going to know that Jesus was the word of life just by listening to him teach or just by watching him walk around and minister. The word of life, this is going back to the Old Testament. So John's done some study. He looked into him. Uh, You know, he Facebook stalked him. (laughs) Like he said, who is this guy? I need to know who this guy is. Uh, I see what he's doing. I see it's awesome. I see how he responds to the woman, uh, at the well, for instance, in the book of John, like, wow, I see what he's doing and I see the effects of it. That's all great. But who is this guy? That's by the way. So, so if worship is looking at him, preaching ought to be looking into him, doing your research on him. That's what preaching ought to be. If you come to church and you hear about, uh, I don't know, uh, you hear about uh, modern events. You hear about who you should vote for, but you don't hear about who Jesus is. That's a that's a wasted sermon. True, it's a wasted worship service if you don't sing about who He is, and it's a wasted sermon if you don't hear about who He is. If you don't learn, if you if if, if, if nobody's digging into who He is, you're missing it. So here at City Chapel, man, I I, I hope and pray that ninety nine percent of the sermons that I preach will teach you something about Jesus, mm-hmm. because that's the that's the goal that we would look into him, that we would study him. It's good to see him and it's good to gaze at him in worship, but if you never actually use your brain to study him, you can use your senses to admire him, but if you don't use your brain to study him, then then the enemy is able to quickly take those seeds that you felt in worship and just steal them. Just take them right out of your heart because there's no foundation for you. Uh, Knowledge is a good foundation. I think that's what A. W. Tozer said. He said that God imparts faith, but He first imparts knowledge, because you have to have some knowledge in order for faith to sprout up. So knowledge is the soil, the bed where the seeds of faith are able to grow. And so at City Chapel, that's why we think church is important. That's why actually even uh, that's why communication among churches is very important. So joining online uh, is, is very important. Being in person is very important because it's important that we continue to download knowledge about who Jesus is. And we're even working on a way that, hey, if, uh, as I preached about a while ago, the sand hits the fan, um, <laughs> the S H, uh, T F S H T F as the preppers call it. Uh, but for us, we call this sand hitting the fan. Cause that's, Christian. Yeah. But anyway, and it had something to do with Habakkuk too. But we're working even on a way that if kind of like communication breaks down, that we have some radios and we got to actually have a radio operator in our church, which I found out, uh, that he can come out to our property and we can radio in messages uh, to you guys, whether in Michigan or around Central Texas. We want to continue, like no matter what we lose as a church, um, we are not going to lose the, the ability to look into who Jesus is, to study him. To gaze upon him and in, in worship and then to break down who he is or to stalk him, <laughs> Facebook stalk him in preaching. That's what preaching ought to be. It ought to be a breakdown of who he is. And so that's what John has done. He says from the beginning, right? He digs, he digs back all the way from the beginning. And this will help explain, by the way, uh, why some of the reason why he's saying some of these things. So he he's he's using a lot of um, words to describe something. It sounds like he's dancing around. What he's actually saying but he's not he's building up so he says we heard we saw with our eyes we looked at and we touched now why is he saying all of that well because at this time in church history like i said decades half more than half a century removed from the the from jesus and from the book of acts and all of that now deception is starting to creep into the church and one of the primary uh forms of deception was a teaching called gnosticism and that's kind of you're going to hear that a lot during 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 this teaching uh on first john because that's what he's countering the reason he's talking about touching him with his hands uh is he's not saying that you know he wasn't afraid of covid like that's not why he's talking about that he's talking about that because gnosticism uh was a teaching that was becoming more and more popular the further they got away from the original disciples testimonies um as the church was growing and as new people were coming in uh, there was a teaching that uh, was known, it was called Gnosticism, and and one of the main tenets of Gnosticism is that Jesus wasn't actually a human, that he wasn't actually a real person. He uh, he did, he was God, and he did come down, he did die for our sins, and he rose again. But he wasn't actually human. He was kind of like a spirit. He was kind of like a uh, an, an epiphany. It was a he looked human, but he really wasn't. You like, well, why would they say that? That's weird. Like, of course Jesus came. I mean, I saw the passion with Mel Gibson. I mean, yeah, he was there, right? Well, yeah, um, it's easier for us to think about that because we've seen so many pictures through the, um, the Catholic church has them in, in on, painted on their walls. There he is. He's a human. Well, yes, but uh, but there, there, there was this teaching that was cropping up in the early church that basically went something like this. And this is a, a much shorter version of Gnosticism, but essentially all flesh is sinful everything on this earth is sinful and it'll always be sinful and it never can never be anything but sinful. And the only way for God to save you from sin is actually for you to die and escape your body. Like That's the only way to get out of it. And then somebody said, well, wait a minute, wasn't Jesus uh, human? And they're like, oh, shucks, (laughs) that doesn't work. Because if Jesus was human and if all humans are sinful, then that means Jesus was sinful. And as we just said in communion, that's not going to work so they had to twist the rules a little bit and say okay fine jesus looked human but he really wasn't and this is what john is fighting against john is fighting against the fact no way he was really human you say well does it really matter i mean really (laughs) yeah it really matters you need to look into this this is why it's so important that we i mean that we believe truly and truthfully about christ because what you believe about christ will affect what you believe about yourself and what you believe about christ will affect what you believe about everything else and so john knew this and he said no uh he was a real human because here's the deal if he wasn't a real human and if he lived this perfect life as not a real human then there's really no more hope for us today and yet john says no wait there is hope and he's going into that hope but before we get into that hope you need to re- you need to look into who Jesus was he was a real human because he if, if if he can be fully obedient to the father then he can do something to make us fully obedient to the father like that's the thing if he was loved then he can do something in us to help us love others if he was holy he can do something in us to make us walk holy if he was pure at all like it all hinges on Jesus jesus is the hinge upon which all other teachings and doctrines hang and so john knows this and he says look let's let's fight against this right now and it's an intellectual thing right it's not a shout me down thing it's not like no one's gonna be "Whoa, yeah anti-gnosticism like he's not trying to hype people up and he's not trying to take an offering he's telling them look this is super important that you understand jesus wasn't in fact, human, and this is and you say. Well, that's just intellectual. Well, it is intellectual, but that 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 intellect is going to affect what you actually believe. Yes. That's right. So, so what you think over and over and over and over and over again does start to affect what you really believe. And it's so important that we think rightly about Jesus, so that we will believe rightly about Jesus, and then we'll believe rightly about ourselves. And they will believe rightly about other people. So that you don't have to keep coming to church to get a a godly perspective, but rather you come to church to learn who Jesus is, and that creates inside of you a godly perspective. Then I don't have to address every issue. I don't have to tell you about this and about that and about that and what you should think about this and how you should live your life here. No, I just tell you who Jesus is, and when you get who Jesus is, suddenly everything else makes sense. Suddenly everything else lines up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I understand my role because I know who I am, because I know who Jesus is. And so, and so that, that's an intellectual thing, but it's very, very important. Sometimes we jump right past that, but it's so important. John says, look, I gazed at him, I admired his beauty, and then I looked into him, I studied him. Uh, the idea here is, is uh, the, way that, the way that a fan would study his favorite athlete. You know all his stats. You know where he's been, you know where he went to college, you know how he, how how many touchdowns he had in his his rookie year you you study him because you love him right and so it's not just a mental exercise it's a mental exercise because i do admire him because i am in love with him and because of that i want to know everything about him and john's digging into that he says he was this is the thing that he found about him in right here in the first verse he found out a few things we're going to get into that but right here in the first verse he found out that jesus was the word of life The word of life What the word of life? Yes, the word of life and and, and he, he found this out from the very beginning Remember in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 where where God says let there be light What what, what what's happening there Word, a word is coming out from the father and John says hey wait that word is a person that word that 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 created everything that word is a person and his name is jesus he was the word of god he is the word of god he's the the physical embodiment when he when he when he came in the form of a person he was the physical embodiment of the word of god you say well well okay that's great but what is that what does that mean well, it means like uh, Micah just asked me the, just yesterday, or no, on the plane ride, Micah asked me. He said, uh, he said, hey, when 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 God made the world, and in Genesis one, He said, "Let there be light," and Micah said, He didn't say please. So, I said, well, that's because God's not a Texan, you know. He he. Uh, <laughs> uh, But no, he he, he didn't say please. And I said, Oh, well, that's because we say please because we are asking somebody to do something for us. But God didn't ask some, he didn't ask light to come forth, he commanded light to appear. Therefore, he created the light. There's nobody for him to ask, it's just him. And he uses his word to create. And so that's who Jesus is. Jesus is. The word that proceeds from the Father that creates whatever the Father wants to create and as we read in Ephesians, the Father wanted to create connection and fellowship between himself and man, and so he spoke Jesus into the earth, and Jesus created what the Father wanted to create. He created peace between God and man. And so God, Jesus is the Word, and that that Word is from the beginning. In other words, that Word is not on your time schedule. That Word is not on your timetable. That Word is not even on this earth's schedule or timetable. It's not all about this event or that event. No, when the word begins to speak, things begin to change. God creates what he wants to create with his word. And the thing he wanted to create was life. Ultimately, the thing he wanted to create was life, which by the way, is what he still wants for us. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly because that's what he wants to create. He wants to create life inside of us. And so many times as Christians, we kind of get confused because we uh, we get hung up I think on one of the first two points we're either looking at Jesus which is wonderful or looking into Jesus which is wonderful. but if looking at Jesus and looking into Jesus don't lead you to a place of life then you miss the entire point of looking at Jesus and looking into yeah. Jesus. If, if for instance if just looking at him in worship just leads you to have these warm goosebumps feelings and you say this is wonderful I can't wait to come back next week so I'll feel warm and goosebumply again I just made that word up uh, if, if that's if that, if that's it if it doesn't create life inside of you right. then you're missing it yes. you're missing it we're not like city chapel is not created so that people can come and feel good so that people who feel bad can feel good that's not why Christ came Christ came that people who are dead might come to life yeah, so it's not about just feeling good. I'm feeling good part of it. I'm not against feeling good. But, but but it's more than that. You, When you look at him, it must create something. It births something inside of you. John, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you were born once, but you must be birthed again. There must be new life inside of you Amen. and not just new feelings of worship. And that's wonderful. The same is true with teaching. Sometimes, Sometimes we can get so caught up in studying about him that we know all the right theological answers and we read all the books and we were ready to go. I mean, I was a part of a church for many years. We were the smartest people I knew. (laughs) We were so smart. We were, I mean, we were so educated and you can be educated so much that you forget that you have to do it. You have to live it. It's got to be the life. I mean, education is wonderful, but Jesus did not come to educate ignorant people. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And some of the people he made alive are not as educated as I was educated at age 15. And yet they were far more alive than I was. And yet they knew how to live and move and have their being in Jesus. There have been people... I mean, Evan Roberts, far less educated than I was at his age at age twenty three, and yet he came alive. Something the education, if it doesn't bring life, the letter kills, but the spirit brings to life. And so when, when when we talk about Jesus, it's not just an academic study. Preaching is not just an academic study. it is it is a birthing. It is an experience whereby something happens inside of you that brings new life. In other words, your life looks differently than it did before. There's this new life. Uh, uh, Paul said, you know, I've, I've, my old self has been killed. I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If he, Christ is not birthed inside of you, if he's only learned about in your head, but he's not birthed inside of you, then the rest of 1 John is not going to make sense because how can I love somebody like that? How can I embrace God? How can I walk with God like that? How, like You're, you're not going to understand anything until you have new life birthed inside of you. None of it's going to make sense. All your intellectual study, it's just going to be intellectual study. All of your worship is just going to be singing. And it's going to be an emotional experience. But God didn't come to make unemotional people emotional. All right. God didn't come to make unintellectual people intellectual. He came to make dead people alive through his great mercy. And this is what John said. He is the word of life. He's going back to the beginning, right? And in the beginning, you had God made everything and he made humans and he put them in a garden and he said, you can eat of any tree that you want, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Poppy, Poppy knows all about that. That's actually what Kairos is designed around. It's designed around this idea that sin began when we traded in life, because there was a tree of life that we did not eat from. Adam and Eve did not eat from the tree of life. Instead, like all of us, they went to the tree of knowledge and they said, man, if I could if I could be as wise as God, if I could have the answers, if I could know, if I could explain, if I could divvy out who is right and wrong. If I had the knowledge of good and evil, if I had the ability to look at every situation and know black and white and black and white. And if that were up to me instead of up to God, if that were up to me to decide and to discern and to understand, then I really wouldn't need life. Right, I wouldn't really need life because I would have knowledge. And the burn is, God said, the day that you trade in life for knowledge, you die. Because you've cut off your life source. You have knowledge, good job. But the problem is knowledge isn't life. It's it's a poor substitute. It's a really poor substitute for life. And you can be educated but dead. You can, be, you can be well-versed in all the worship songs, and even the old hymns, which are my favorite. Yeah, yeah. but still dead. It must be life. And you say, well, okay, well, how do, how do I get life? Well, John says that it is the word of life. In other words, the word of life comes to you, you receive it. And I, I think kind of like Manessa said, it's so good. You choose to believe the word of life, it's a choice. Uh, I was listening to uh, to uh, to to an, to an email uh, that I get every single week, and uh, this it's a guy in Austin called the Wizard, and uh, he's a he's a marketing guru, and he uh, he's talking strictly from a secular point of view. Uh, but he said that nobody uh, nobody changes their belief system um, through Education or through the presentation of, of facts it says people change their belief system because they choose to And it's always a choice You can be presented with all the truth. You can be in the worship service with all the great songs about Jesus but still have death in your life because you don't choose to move off of where you are and Move into where Jesus is you don't choose to believe it for yourself you might believe it for others might believe it for um, you know for Pastor Harry or for the folks here in, in Michigan. You might believe that somebody else somewhere else. But but when you when you when you appropriate it to yourself, that's where it becomes powerful. There was a there was a as an evangelist, um, what's his name, Gypsy Gypsy Smith, the uh, British evangelist. He was asked one time. He said, "How how do you start a revival?" Which is essentially asking how do. How do you revive? Revive for those that are not used to church terms. Revival is when God really moves in a powerful way uh, within a particular, uh, you know, church or city or nation. Um, it's when there's a, as a uh, what's his name, Duncan Campbell would say, there's a, a blossoming of God in the streets without the aid of evangelistic efforts. Um, it's when God just shows up, and so. And so Gypsy was asked, you know, how, did, how do you start a revival? And and what Gypsy said, I thought was really interesting. He said, if you want to start a revival, a move of God, if you want to start a revival, oh, hey, there's Peter. Uh, you got U of M, all right. If you wanna start a revival, wear the U of M masks. Uh, how's it going? If you wanna start a revival, he said, go home, Get a piece of chalk, go into your closet, draw a circle on the floor, kneel down in that circle, in the middle of the circle, and ask God to revive everything inside of that circle. (laughs) And he said, when God has answered your prayer, revival will have begun. And that's how that's how you start a revival, mm-hmm. which brings which begs the question. So, can I start a revival? Yeah, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, if the if is on us, He's ready to bring new life to you. That's what revival is, right? You're dead, and then they shock you; they revive you. That's what revival is. That's that's why revival doesn't happen to 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 like the city streets. Revival happens to those of us that were alive, but we are dead. Because religion, we've, we've got our eyes off of Jesus. We've turned our eyes off of Jesus, and we've, we've become dead. But if you want to be revived today, this is what you do. You draw a circle, maybe not chalk, I don't know, you, and you ask God to revive everything right here. It's true. You don't, don't ask him to get some certain guy elected. Stop it. Don't ask him to deal with some government officials with masks and stuff. No, that's not the, no. Everything inside it, right me, me and my heart. God, bring life to me. God, bring spiritual renewal to me. God, bring the nearness of Christ to me. Bring the fellowship, the friendship of the Holy Spirit to me. God, renew, that's what David said, renew in me a right spirit. Restore unto me the joy of my simple gospel salvation. Restore unto me, renew in me a right spirit. Lord, change me, transform me, revive me, wake me up, make me alive. It's not my spouse that needs you, it's not my pastor or my favorite politician, it's not my city. It's not the government, it's not the deep state. Lord, it's me. I need renovation, I need renewal, I need life. Look, man, you don't have to wait. Like This is the lie of the enemy, that you have to wait for the conditions to be right. Stop it, You you don't have to wait for anything. You can be made alive right now you can call on him i'm not you don't have to wait for somebody to come to your town and preach you don't have to wait for for tbn to show up you don't have to wait for somebody to write a book you don't have to wait for somebody to start a church there's enough books and enough churches right now for you to experience revival for Austin to there are enough books and churches and songs for Austin to experience revival today. Revival could happen right today if enough people would draw circles around themselves and say, "God, revive me! Wake me up! Bring me to life!" activate inside of me all the knowledge that you've been pouring into me. Let it come to fruition. Let it work itself out. You've been teaching me about your word. You've been teaching me about who Christ is. Now let it be activated inside of me. You don't need need one more sermon. You don't need one more prayer meeting. We don't need another book. We don't need another song to be written. We don't need another church to be started. There are enough of all of that. And none of it results in life if nobody just stands alone and says, God, I need life for me. The word of life, can you hear it? Can you hear him calling out to you? He's the word of life. Can you hear him? Can you respond to what he's saying? There it is. Can you step out in obedience to what he's saying? Or are you waiting for him to say something else? It's more pleasant. Waiting for him to say something else that's more palatable to you. You waiting for him to give you another option? No, like what he is saying, with the with the rain of God that's coming forth right now. Man, let's just let's just pray right now. Whether you're in your living room or in the house at, at City Chapel, wherever you're at, right here in this living room, Father, I need you. Yes, yes. I need life. I need revival in my heart. I need renewal. I need my ears to be opened. So that I can hear him sometimes I think I think you are speaking but I'm not listening I'm not even hearing what you're saying Lord. I need to hear you I need to hear the word of life the word of hope the word of peace the word of truth the word of joy the word of salvation the word of sanctification I need the word of God I need to hear him open up my ears Lord that I can hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches right now open up my ears you're not waiting You're not waiting on somebody to do something. You're waiting on your people to open up their ears and simply walk in obedience to you. There's no major move going to happen. There's no major election going to happen. There's no, we're always waiting for something really big and really large, but it's not. Revival happens in prayer closets. Revival happens in little tiny circles where I draw a circle around myself and say, God, I want fellowship with you. I want nearness with you. And I don't just want to feel something and I don't just want to know something. I want to experience life I want all of my feelings and all of my knowledge to translate to this thing called life if You're there today if you're there today, if that's you, why don't you just stand up with me? I'm standing. Why don't you stand with me and say God I want right here everybody everybody that's standing wants new life and for, Never mind the circles. everybody's standing Tech team, you have to get new life because you're already standing. So everybody's standing. Jesus, we want new life. We want revival in us. We want your presence in us. We want to hear the word of life. We want to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. We want to be submitted in everything and we want to be alive in everything. So that yeah, we're not maybe we're not perfect yet, but we are fully alive listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, listening to the power of God, receiving daily bread. This is my daily bread to hear and to do the will of the Father. This is what feeds me. This is what this is what grows me. Lord, help us to stop eating off the tree of knowledge and continually getting fat over knowledge and not actually eating life. May life feed us today. May, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat all of it because this is life. This is knowledge. This is true knowledge. This is true holiness. This is the truth. This I am the way, the truth, yes. and the life. Take me and yes. eat me and digest me and receive me and feed off of me. Lord, I need to feed off of you. I need manna. It took care of the ones in the wilderness, but I need fresh bread from heaven. I need to hear from you, Lord. I'm not content with where I'm at. I'm not content with what I have. I'm not content with what I've seen. Lord, I need you. And I'm not looking to things that satisfy the flesh. I'm not looking for uh, a, a better job or, if in my case, a larger church. Or I'm not looking for more money. or more, These are all things that the flesh desires. I'm not looking for more knowledge or for more goosebumps. I'm looking for more life, for more real life, I'm looking for spiritual vitality. I'm looking for intimacy with Jesus. I'm looking for nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of his favor. I'm looking for a clear path, a straight line between heaven and earth. I'm looking to pick up the phone of my just prayer life and instant access into the manifest presence of God for instant fellowship with the Holy Spirit and friendship with Him. I'm looking to hear and to speak and to hear and to speak and to hear and to speak and to to fellowship and to commune. I'm looking for intimacy between myself and others. I'm looking to build up others. I'm looking to be an instrument of, of, of God in 2020. Not limited by government mandates and whatever. I'm looking to God to use me as he would use me right now. I'm not waiting for him to use me for me to get better and more useful. I am right now usable. I am right now available. I am right now. Revival starts right here within this circle. Don't need anything else. Don't need anything outside of this circle. It's just the presence of the Holy Spirit in me right now. And God's going to speak different things to different ones. He's going to speak different things to you that he speaks to me. He's going to deal with different things. But the key, the key is is submission to him. The key is openness to him. The key is to hear, to hear. Do you hear the word of life and can you do what it says? Do you hear the word of life? Just like last week I was talking about Jesus walking by the cottage of much afraid. She's so busy talking to her fears that she couldn't hear him. I'm telling you, man, people are hearing him right now all over City Chapel. People are hearing his voice. They're responding to him. Mm-hmm. People are making massive changes in their life. God is doing really big things. And, and, and it's not because, so if you don't hear him, it's not because he's not speaking. He's speaking right now. And he's calling. Revival is happening right now. We're in many little tiny circles. And I can't wait for those little circles to get together and to have a bigger circle. But, but, but revival is happening. God is being faithful to his word. He has not left us without a helper. He has sent his Holy Spirit who is calling to the church. The Spirit is saying come. The bride is saying come. They are both in agreement together. And God is moving. And so, Lord, I, I want some of that in my life. I want some of that in my home, in my children, in my my marriage, in every facet of my life. It's wonderful to see so many people standing uh, at City Chapel, see people standing here in this living room. Father, we just dedicate our responses to you, our decisions to you today. We dedicate those to you that the enemy wouldn't steal those decisions, wouldn't take them away. But that what knowledge we have of you, we would stand on that and we would seek more. And we would open up our lives to more and and open up our ears to more and put ourselves in positions to learn more about you and hear you more often and uh, i know i'm not in the building but i do want to uh just as we get ready to close here i I do just want to open up for prayer if anybody wants to be prayed with or prayed for Um, last week we had a couple prayer team members down at the front over to my left and so, yeah, if I could just have awesome see a couple of prayer team members right there, we're gonna get ready to be dismissed, and you're gonna pick up your kids outside and all of that um but i'm 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 just kind of feeling like some people want to pray a little further and uh maybe even have somebody lay their hand on on your shoulder uh to pray with you uh, still socially distanced, they have really long arms. the prayer team <laughs> it's uh but just, uh, just just to make that available to you. Um, but if, if, if not, if you need to get going, that's, that's good too. Uh, we thank love you. you. We're glad that you have joined us for church uh, at home. And then those of you that are at home, thank you for joining us at home uh, faithfully and, and seeking Him. I'm going to turn it back over to you all. Uh, Pete, maybe if you can just play some songs that are a bit more um,
1: uh, yeah.
0: subtle than what we normally play, a little bit more worshipful. Uh, just kind of continue that time if anybody needs prayer. But if not, go get your kids. Be blessed. We love you. And I can't wait to see you next Sunday when, I, when I'm when i there in person. And uh, uh, yeah, it's just a, to just a meet with you and, and hopefully see you Saturday. Saturday uh, on our fall fest. But God bless. I'll turn it back to you guys. Thank you.